0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. And if this was the late 90s, you'd hear a beep, leave a message. That's because this is our voicemail. We're on summer vacation until Thursday, July 13th. You'll also notice that we're releasing episodes on Thursdays instead of Tuesdays. Expect new episodes from us beginning on Thursday, July 13th. Until then, we hope y'all are having a fantastic summer. You know, I'm not really sure that I've told this story before. I told it recently on a different podcast, Wicked Energy with JG. Once again, strongly encourage you to check out. That guy is awesome. Absolutely love him. But back to why I transitioned from BD to marketing. So there were a couple light bulb moments for me. Some of it was on the digital side, the marketing side, but some of it was also on the business development side. And what I realized through having a territory that I thought was well-developed is it wasn't as well-developed as I thought. When I was at Kiwi, one of my largest customers was Detroit Edison. And at the time we had a billion dollar project going on that Kiwi was self-performing the engineering. We had even gone as far as to open an office in Detroit to be able to serve Detroit Edison better. And so my job at the time was to expand our services to Detroit Edison and other customers. And so I was focused on DTE at the time because I had relationships there and I knew people and we were already doing good work for them. When I started to go out and try and get some of these opportunities for KeyWhip, what I quickly realized is not a lot of people actually knew that Keyword was self-performing the engineering. And so a period of time went by and had more conversations, exposed more people to that knowledge. And it became apparent to me that it takes multiple meetings, which everyone in BD knows this, it takes multiple meetings for people to remember it. When you get up there and you deliver a, you know, what we're all about presentation, it takes an hour and a half. People pick and choose what they remember, or maybe they don't even pay attention. And so at that time, I remember talking to my boss at the time, John Gribble, another fantastic person, another JG, about, I feel like this is an inefficient way for us to communicate this type of information to clients. Clients should know that we self-perform engineering. Maybe they don't know that we're actually doing it for Detroit Edison. That would be more my job but they don't know that we perform engineering. And so if we're relying on just me to go out there and verbally communicate this to all of our customers, we're missing an opportunity. Because in business development, as you know, you very rarely get the opportunity on the first shot at it. Unless they have a really strong need, it's typically an iterative process. They have to get to know you, they have to get to know the company. And the longer it takes for them to understand how the company can serve them, the longer it's gonna take to get an opportunity. And so that's when we really started to think about how we can get this critical information out in a different way or a way that, you know, in a place where people already spend time, which is on social media or through digital channels. And so that was when the light bulb really clicked for me in a major way where, hey, you know what? BD people can reach one people at a time, but if you can come up with compelling messaging that actually resonates with the customers and actually helps them understand why you're a good fit to help them, you can reach thousands of people instead of one person at a time. And so I still believe business development has a critically important role. We're not trying to sell major projects through websites. What we're trying to do is educate them in a way that they already consume information. So they have this baseline of information. So when they do meet a business development person, they're getting into forming the relationship, not understanding what that company does.
1: That makes sense. Once you identified that friction point at Qit, do you feel like you were able to identify a solution or partner with marketing where you could find greater success in the business development realm?
0: Uh, not as much as success as I would have hoped initially. And at the time I thought it was, hey, this marketing group is not really wanting to work with us or not understanding. Mm-hmm. And as I've had some time and distance from that, what I've realized is they already have a full-time job. Marketers or engineering construction firms are already hired to do a task this important. Trade shows and events, it's still a great way to meet people. External proposals, still need to generate those. External presentations, still need to generate those. Internal communications, still need to communicate with the organization. All of those things are very important. I didn't quite recognize the importance of it at the time. And so it took a little while for people to get on board and understand it. And I really attribute all, all that to the marketers are already have a full time job that they're not stuck doing but they don't have a lot of spare time to think about ways to digitally attract customers or ways to get engaged on social media so not as much success as i would have liked with the marketing group there were some people that reached out and helped more it took a little bit of time for people to recognize hey this is an opportunity it's an opportunity to do things differently and now i believe there's many more marketers that do believe that reaching customers through social media and allowing them to consume information at their leisure is the way to do it. They just don't have the support. They don't understand how to do it necessarily, the tactics of it. And that's honestly why I started engaging perspectives and what we hope to help clients with, not just our end clients, but the marketers inside these organizations as well, because they have a vitally important role that continues to become more important. And we want to help them get their seat at the table and be successful in that role.
1: I think that's awesome. Even as you're saying all of this, we've talked about this in past podcast episodes, but you and I met at Hewitt. Obviously I came from the marketing background and I think your dilemma in the business development realm provided us the opportunity to work together and develop strategies together through trial and error. We found some success. We found some challenges. I've had the blessing to reconnect with you and get to work with you in engaging perspectives. So it's fun to reflect back on that. And one of the things we were talking about earlier that actually, we talk about all the time, just the first time that we met of you showing up and saying, I'm going to be your best friend. And I was always just taken a little bit aback by that. Gosh, this guy is a very aggressive, (laughs) excited approach from business development. I don't know how he's going to make my marketing job easier, but ultimately we got to work together and collaborate. And like I said, really find some solutions and have a really good time as well. And I've learned so much from you from just your business development perspective and your expertise in marketing. Thank you to that. I appreciate it. It's been a fun
0: absolutely. Ride. I definitely wouldn't change anything. It was a that was the <laughs> path we had to go to. And if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be in marketing. Remember when we first started talking? I didn't want to execute the stuff. I was like, Hey, someone do this for me, so we can reach these customers. And then when no one could, no one had the time to do it. That's when we got the opportunity to do it. And then I fell in love with it. And now. I can't imagine not doing it. And I can definitely understand your reticence when someone comes in and I am an aggressive personality and I'm high energy. And some people might take that the wrong way. And I understand why you were a little bit like, whoa, let's pump the brakes here and see what this guy's all about. But I'm thankful you gave me the opportunity to get to know me better. And I'm glad we got to work on that project because we wouldn't be where we are without it.
1: Yeah. I think what you said earlier too, is really helpful. As marketers, we have a full-time job and we can get stuck in the routine of things or just only seeing what's right in front of us. But I really appreciated getting to work with you because yeah, it was above and beyond the full-time job, but it really added a category to my thinking. And again, we discovered so much and we were able to really chart some new paths within the organization. So I think that's amazing.
0: The organization is still utilizing the process that we figured out and put into place. And you know, honestly, that's the basis for a lot of the process that we use here. We learned how to do it there. The success that we garnered for Kiewit and at Kiewit is the foundation for what we do today. There are some very talented folks inside of Kiewit that have really picked up the baton and continue to move them forward. So that's exciting to see too.
1: Can you back up a little bit and just talk about some of the roles that you have navigated since the beginning of your career and how those have influenced or impacted your understanding and perspective on marketing and therefore engaging perspectives?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And This also gets into why I'm so passionate about helping people evolve through their careers and pursue different opportunities. If I were to describe my career in an honest way, I would say it's a happy accident. When I first started out, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going. When I first started out in the industry, I actually came from the nuclear side I was a junior rad tech and then got into safety, project safety. And I got into project safety for a company called Babcock and Wilcox. And through that position, I had exposure to obviously the people on the project. And where I was fortunate is people liked me. And because people liked me, the project managers and superintendents took me under their wing and Frankly, we're patient with my immaturity and help me understand the whole project. What are we really doing here? What does your job mean in the context of everything else? And that was really an eye-opener for me because first in my career, I thought the main thing is safety and your main thing is to protect employees. But if you can find a way to do that in the context of the projects and make the project more efficient, that's even better. That was my first exposure to really a support function and how you can make the support function even more impactful for the business. And then people helped me along through my career. So I had an opportunity to learn the work. I was a project manager in the field. And then when I was 25 years old, I had the opportunity to be the Western Region Safety Manager. Once again, strong mentors. I had two mentors that really helped pull me through that opportunity, really rough around the edges in the beginning. But I learned a lot through that then I was in environmental health and safety. I moved up through my career and ended up being in charge of global construction, environmental health and safety at Babcock and Wilcox. And another kind of funny story, which my mentor still laughs about today. I was young and naive, and I wanted more money, which is a common thread through my career. We could talk about it at a different date, but I was pursuing a raise and I felt like I was undercompensated in my current role. And my mentor at the time said, Well, if you think you can go get more money, you're more than welcome to go do it. And so I did. And I was able to secure a position where they were paying me 15% more money. And so I was going to take that opportunity. There wasn't a whole lot that the company was going to be able to do to get me not to take it. It was going to result in a geographical switch for me. Even though I live in Northeast Ohio and that's where I've chosen to raise my family, I'm a West Coast person. I love the mountains, not the beach kind. I'm the mountains person. Love being out in nature, love being at elevation, love challenging myself physically. And so this opportunity was in Eastern Washington. Already had the house picked out right on the lake. And I was fortunate that I went through the Emerging Leaders Program in BW. And another person that was a mentor at the time or a close acquaintance. He said, hey, you're going to leave. Why don't you come be in business development? And so I was like, hmm. I actually didn't think I could transition from safety to business development. Giving this person cr- so much credit, he was probably one of the only people that believed I could make the transition. And so I do owe a lot to this person. His name is Joe Buckler, but he was one of the few people that saw, hey, you know what? This person that's done safety and project management, I think they can do business development and do it in a good way. And it's different than all the other engineers we have. And so I'm going to bring them over to business development. And so he gave me that opportunity kind of out of nowhere. And so all of that stuff shaped my experience in a couple of ways. It shaped my experience in a way in safety. You have to communicate in a way that resonates with the people you're communicating with. If you tell the people that are on the project, they have to be safe because they're not going to hurt themselves. That's a no duh moment. They understand that what you have to help them understand is how in a situation where they may not see as much risk, you see risk and you have to help them understand how that is risky and how they can take themselves out of that risky situation, perform their work the same way, but safer and not get hurt. And when, particularly when you're a mid 20 year old kid telling that to a 40 year old craftsperson that has forgotten more about the trades than you'll ever know, that can be a tough proposition. So I really learned a lot about communication through that, how to communicate with people in unique ways. And then transitioning between each one of those roles from individual performer to leader, to the different disciplines, I learned how to leverage what I'd already know. And more importantly, I'd learned to identify what I didn't know. And so I was able to look at what do I know now that's going to serve me in this next role and where are my gaps? And how do I fill those gaps? That really provided the blueprint for me to make the seamless transition from business development to marketing, because I'd already gone through that a couple of times. And it's scary in the beginning, but that's why I'm so passionate about mentorship because I learned from fantastic leaders. But what I also learned is anybody can do it. I'm not particularly intelligent. I'm not a genius by any means. What I am is disciplined in how I learned. And how i continue to learn and continue to evolve my knowledge and so that's what i would encourage anyone that's thinking about doing this to to really embrace that change and learn how to change because the world continues to change especially with marketers we're talking about hey here's this great opportunity some people are intimidated by that other people they may be a little bit intimidated but think hey i think i can do that so if you're one of those people that's saying i think i can do that you can you just have to be intentional about it intentional about what you learn don't forget everything that you had learned before take that and apply it to what you're going to learn next
1: you have a teacher's heart and you love mentoring others and pouring into them so i just think that's a notable character trait and something that you encourage other people to do so mentor others and have mentors surrounding you and you'll likely make really wise decisions on your path or an endeavor, whatever you're pursuing.
0: And uh, don't be afraid to be mentored. I I see that with some people they think I'm a little bit too advanced to have a mentor, but that's not always true. The other thing I'll say about mentorship that I think people get wrong is my best mentor mentee relationships, whether I was the mentor or I was the mentee, they all evolved into more of a reciprocal relationship where it switches. I would say you and I have evolved to that point where maybe in the beginning I was mentoring you on how to navigate these position changes within Kiwit, but now we are very much peers that there are times where I'm mentoring you and conversely, there are times where you're mentoring me. And that, when you have a group of people that you have that relationship with, it is absolutely incredible and it's fulfilling and you learn a lot.
1: Yes. You sharpen one another. I think.
0: Yes. Someone told me iron sharpens iron. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Let's get to wrapping this up. What specifically gets you up in the morning and drives you to grow engaging perspectives?
0: Helping people. It sounds kind of corny, and it's a throwaway line. So I'm going to elaborate. But helping people. One of the things I wrote in my I'll call it a life plan because you helped me develop it is I like to help others succeed. And the people that I work with, I want to be acquaintances or friends. And so the great part about having your own business and having your own business and being intelligent about the way that you budget your personal life so you can make good choices, it has allowed me to work with people that I like. And so when I say I want to see people be successful, I legitimately mean that. I want to see my customers be successful. And if my customers are successful, I know inevitably I'll be successful. And along the way, if I can help marketers that Didn't have this opportunity that didn't have the seat at the table. If I can help them develop some of the political and strategy stuff that maybe they weren't exposed to, and how to integrate that into their great marketing ideas and they're successful, that is awesome. You've heard me say this multiple times to mentees that I have. I don't ask for anything in return, but I do ask that if someone needs something, you pay it forward. People have done that for me. If I mentor you, I'm not asking for anything, but I am asking that you have an open mind and an open heart and you help other people. So, What gets me up in the morning is helping people. Earl Nightingale has a quote that your value in life is proportionate to the value that you provide to others. The first time I heard that hit me, but the more that I say it, I actually write it down in my journal quite a bit because as much as I want to help people, sometimes your actions can drive towards money. And when you do that, in my experience, you make the wrong decisions. But if you can take a step back and ask yourself, am I providing the most value for others? And you find ways to do that. People will take care of you. And you will be taken care of and you will continue to be successful because the people around you are successful because of the things you're doing for them. So it's helping people. You said, I have a teacher's heart. That is what I actually was originally going to school to do. I love to teach. I love to help. I love to learn.
1: I've heard this quote somewhere, but I think of you specifically when it comes to mine, but if you help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. And it's just a real abundance mentality and putting other people first. And I agree that is truly your heart posture.
0: Life is not a zero sum game. Like your success isn't at the cost of someone else. The more productive that everyone is, the more opportunities there are for everyone, especially today. There's just so many opportunities. You see it in the economy. There's been massive layoffs in these tech companies, yet there's still a massive shortage in people that to do these jobs. And so maybe one company is laying off, but that's someone else's gain for these smaller companies to pick up that talent. And that is absolutely the way that I believe you should go through life. So I appreciate you bringing that out.
1: Yeah. There's enough to go around. Okay. Favorite question. What is your favorite routine or habit?
0: I'll say it's my morning routine. And the reason why is because you know this, I am severely ADHD. And I don't mean that in a negative way of, oh, poor me, I'm ADHD. What that means for me is I'm high energy. And so if my high energy is unchecked, I can be chaotic and I could come across as chaotic. And if I come across as chaotic, as you may imagine, my mind is 10 times more chaotic. It is very important for me to start the morning with a clear mind and build on that clear mind and then get into focus early. So my morning routine consists of waking up early. which That's just a part of my life now. That's not very difficult for me to do. But then I read a passage of the day book. It's a couple pages. It gets my mind primed. It's also typically motivating. I have a little five minute journal that I do. That is three things I'm grateful for, which that in itself just primes your thinking for the day. And then I meditate. And then after I meditate, I journal it takes me about 45 minutes. And in between there, I also, I also do something, which I am very proud of. Now I get our kitchen to kitchen zero. We have two children and my wife is a fantastic supporter and does an amazing job being a mom. And the way I've helped going from one to two kids is in between all that stuff, I get up there and do kitchen zero and I turn jazz on for the family for when they wake up. And so all of that allows my mind to be clear and allows me to look at what I have to do for the day and do the most critical things first when I have the clearest mind and just build on that throughout the day.
1: Discipline begets discipline.
0: Another great ism that Alicia tells me and I've internalized.
1: Kitchen zero. I will say, yes, you have really changed the vernacular of our household because every morning we're getting a kitchen zero. Thanks for changing our lives for the better. (laughs) Matthew, thank you for your time. I enjoyed interviewing you and I hope we can do it again soon. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. We'll have to do these every once in a while. We've got some great guests coming up. So I'm excited about those guests. We're recording this after we had Doa. She was awesome. We have more guests like that. And so I'm excited to hear from our guests, but I'm excited to check in once in a while with you and see how things are going. And Tell everyone the engaging perspective story too.